0: He's five six, one sixty three. How big can he possibly be? Welcome into another episode of the Five Foot Nothing, Hundred Nothing podcast. I am your host. And I am. Five foot nothing, a hundred nothing. All right, guys, it's finally game week. Kick off the 2021 season. Notre Dame at Florida State, Sunday night, prime time. And I'm going to go through and look at the rosters, talk about what I think might happen, expectations. And we'll go through this thing. But first, we're going to start this episode off a little bit different. We have a little bit of an announcement from... The coolest, cutest Notre Dame fan I know. And he's going to be my, what do you want to play, shortstop or second base? Or pitcher? Pitcher. My pitcher on my coach pitch, Pinto, fighting Irish. My son Royce. You got a Go message? Go Irish. You got a message? Go Say it again, louder. Go Irish. Yes, sir. Go Irish. All right. You ready for the season? All right. And now we have to lead in with what Daddy always says. Watch me for the changes and try to keep up. Let's get this thing going. So there's something a little different to get this show on the road, kick off this season, get it going. With my five, almost six-year-old getting some airtime. By the time he's six, Notre Dame should be 3-0. Florida State, Toledo, Purdue, we should be 3-0. Um, but we got to start with Florida State, right? But before I do that real quick, I want to thank all the people that went out and listened to my, (laughs) it's great to be Irish. I know I can't sing. I don't need to be reminded, but I have fun. I was just doing my thing, being me. Um, and you'll get more of that. I don't know about parodies and songs, but fun. You're going to get fun. That's for sure. So thank you for the <laughs> appreciation and the criticisms. Well deserved. I promise. But uh, also, I got to touch on this really quickly. Nebraska, man. Woo. Mid-season form already. Love to see it. Adrian Martinez has been there for well, it feels like a lifetime. I know every team's got him. Where you're like, how long, how long has this guy been on the team? But at what point is he not your starting quarterback anymore? I mean, they got to do something. But I don't feel bad at all. I don't feel bad at all. It's fantastic to see. That's what that's what happens. That's what happens. And for me, it's personal. And that's, you know, whatever. But I can't believe that a first point of the 2021. College football season, were scored on a safety, that was just inexplicable. Everything about that play was wrong. You don't catch the ball first and foremost. If you go, if you have to get, go backwards from the ten, let the ball go. Well, you take your chance, right? He catches it anyway, and then he decides. You know what? You know what? That wasn't that just wasn't good enough. I'm going to try to throw it backwards. I'm going to try to Steve Nash this shit, back. Somewhere, and that would be to the five-yard line out of bounds, resulting in a safety. That was hilarious. Um, That was not good football. Uh, But good on Brett Bielema, you know, former Wisconsin guy and all that. Let's see what happens. Maybe uh, the Illini are turning it around. I don't know, but I thought the Nebraska thing was funny. So, again, just watch me for the changes and try to keep up. I don't know where I'm going to go. But that, that's the college football minute from the past week. Because otherwise there wasn't anything. UConn didn't show up. They played Clemson, play Clemson this year, by the way. That's, I don't even know what you put a spread on for that game. I, Clemson versus UConn. I, I don't know. UCLA actually looked good. But that's Hawaii. It was Hawaii. I mean, what does that mean? I don't know. Maybe Chip Kelly finally got it figured out. We'll see. But I'm not worried about them. I'm worried about what my Notre Dame Fighting Irish are going to do on Sunday night with everybody watching. That's kind of worth noting. Everybody is going to be watching us. Okay? So we're going into this game. It's Sunday night. Most people are going to be off on Monday. I know I am, so just the atmosphere is going to be different. Especially the people in the stadium—they're probably off. You know, they're going to be in Tallahassee, getting wildly drunk because it's Notre Dame, it's Florida State, it's prime time. You know, Bobby Bowden just passed. Like, there's so many things that are going to make this game worth hyping up. You know. But we still got to come out and do our thing. We still got to perform. We still got to execute. And there's no reason we can't win this game. There's no reason we shouldn't win by ten plus points. There's no reason we shouldn't cover the spread. I guess is a good way of saying it. We should cover. Um, and not so much that it's because Florida State isn't good. They weren't good last year, right? But it's not even about that. It's Notre Dame as a program has built in the last four years, I know it's only four years, but still four years is a significant amount of time when you think about it. The expectation that we're going to come out and beat the teams we're supposed to beat. It's that simple. I, Yeah, Florida State wasn't good last year. And it is still Florida State. And yeah, they still have athletes. But the fact of the matter is Notre Dame is a far more stable program than Florida State is right now so to think that because Florida State got some recruits or transfers and all that kind of stuff that you know they're gonna come out and hang with Notre Dame I'm just not buying it I'm really not uh, yes they do have some talented people and we can we'll talk about that you know we'll go through it but I kind of overall picture they do have talent. How gelled is that talent? Um, how will that talent work in a system that is new to them if you're talking about the transfers? There's just a lot of question marks, and Notre Dame has them too. I'm not going to be ignorant to that. But I feel like, again, our stability over the last four years should give us the benefit of the doubt that the question marks are much less of a overall concern than if we were Florida State, if that makes sense. So, you know, let, let's just jump right into it, right? Okay, so, you know, it's at Florida State, it's Bobby Bowden, Sunday Night, all that stuff, you know, but ultimately, the players on the field are going to decide this game, and the coaches that are down there. It's not going to be the the fans going crazy because it's Sunday night and they're off on Monday. It's not going to be you know because Bobby Bowden passed and now they're playing in his honor and that kind of thing. You know, it's the players on the field. So let's talk about them. I'm going to start with Florida State. We're going to close with with our boys. We're going to close with the Irish. You know, you look at Florida State. They were not good last year. They were they just weren't good. I mean, their quarterback was their leading rusher. I mean, that says a lot. Their their offensive line wasn't great. Um, you know, we'll go through the guys, but they did add Dylan Gibbons, who is going to start. He's going to be one of the starters at uh, left guard on Sunday night. So, what they had wasn't good. And they did lose uh, some talent on offense, you know, tomorrow and Terry. Uh, he beat us up pretty good last year. He's not there anymore, you know. But they did bring some guys back. I'm I'm not gonna say that they didn't, you know. But they're relying on these transfers. That's what you keep hearing about. Oh, they got these transfers, transfers, transfers. They got 12 transfers. Of those 12, only five are actually going to be starting. And I was looking; uh, those are the only five that I see even in the two deep. So. These twelve transfers that are such a big deal, are how impactful are they going to be? More importantly, we all we know who one of them is, Mackenzie Milton. I mean, that's going to be a topic when we we get to that part. But he's a four. He was a four-star. Mackenzie Milton was a four-star recruit. The other eleven transfers were three stars. Dylan Gibbons included. They were three-star guys. So it's not like they're these transfers are these you know four and five star dudes that are coming to and and who was going to transfer to florida state in with the idea i'm going to win something special like jack Cohn coming to notre dame he's coming with the idea that maybe i can make a college football playoff maybe i can do something with this right so you got these 12 transfers 11 three stars only five of the 12 are starting dylan gibbons one of them uh and I'm going to go through the transfers real quick because there are two guys that I think, I mean, I guess we'll include Milton, but I'll get there. Two guys on defense that I think can make a difference, but one might get held up. So a South Carolina transfers guy, Keir, Keir Thomas, he's a defensive tackle. Last year he had a solid season as far as defensive tackles go. 32 tackles, three sacks, five and a half tackles for loss at South Carolina. That's great. It's really good. But the problem he's going to face is he's a defensive tackle. He plays on the inside. The guys we have that have experience are the inside. you got to deal with Patterson, Correll, and Madden. And I like our odds. You know, he he'll probably be their best defensive tackle, statistically speaking. And I while he looks good, he could be tough. I I like our matchup. Let's just put it that way. But then you go to a Georgia transfer, Jermaine Johnson at defensive end. Now he only had sixteen tackles last year, but he had five sacks and five tackles for loss. So that the five sacks and five tackles for loss tells me he can get to the and get in the backfield. And that's a potential weakness for Notre Dame's offense. Josh Lug has I don't know if he's started a game. I know he's played. I don't believe he's ever started a game. I know he's got some playing experience that's worthwhile, but I don't think he started. Blake Fisher obviously hasn't as a True freshman. So we got a defensive end that can get to the quarterback potentially and get in the backfield. That's going to be something interesting to keep an eye on. But again, history tells me our offensive line will prevail. And besides, one guy is not going to bring down our offense. I mean, that's just not going to happen. Uh, You know, the other... Uh, starter that we're, we're going to go through. Dylan Gibbons, left guard. You can't really statistically put anything on an offensive lineman. He was a he was a big loss for Notre Dame just in the sense of the depth. Uh, I don't know if he would have been in Josh Lugg's spot, but I think I want to say Gibbons played almost every position but center at some point in time for Notre Dame. It felt like he was the the first backup a lot of times. You know, so, you know, good for him. He won the starting job. That's awesome. But the two guys that could make a difference against us are Northern Illinois to Kansas to Florida State transfer, Andrew Parchment. Andrew Parchment, two years at Kansas. Kansas, mind you. Like, it's just Kansas. But in two years, he had 89 catches for 1,028 yards and nine touchdowns. And we know Kansas sucks. We know this. This is common knowledge. But 89 catches, 1,000 yards, nine touchdowns, that's not insignificant. So I think this guy's got some skills. And as I mentioned, I think a weak spot could be our, or is likely our secondary, especially on defense. Like in overall, where's the weakest position? I'd argue, as a whole, it might be the secondary. So, that's something interesting to watch. You you don't want to let the big plays happen. But I feel like our front seven will take care of Florida State's offensive line, and it's not going to be that big of an issue. So, and before I get to Mackenzie Milton and the quarterback situation, you know, those are just those transfers that I'm talking about, and... I just those were the those were the big talk because you know that we got all these transfers and recruiting. Twenty one class was you know twenty second overall. Eighty seven point nine average player rating. Um, you may see some action from these true freshmen, but the majority of the players you're going to see are guys that played last year. Uh, they do have a fair amount of returning production. But they also lost some production. You know, like I said, the receiver. So their leading returning receiver is a guy in. uh, Octavia Wilson. He only had 30 catches for 380 yards. And he was recruited as a cornerback. CB, cornerback. He was supposed to play defense, and he's their leading receiver returning. I mean, you know... And they are returning five of their top seven receivers, however, who combined for 98 catches, 1,000 yards, and six touchdowns. So they got something coming back. I can tell you this. Notre Dame doesn't have that. We do not have that returning uh, from the receiver position. But I mean, And that's receivers as a whole. There was a tight end of running back mixed into those five of the top seven. And even with Notre Dame looking, we don't have that. But that's because McKinley and Skoronek, Moved on, but again, I will reiterate, and continue to reiterate, especially when Kevin Austin and Brayden Lindsey go out there and actually are productive, that Austin and Lindsey should have been the starters, but due to injury, it was Skaronic and McKinley. So, you know that Florida State's returning receivers, it looks nice on paper, but you know let's see what it means because. They still got to figure out what their quarterback situation is. It's kind of funny. They don't know. They're saying they're going to play both these guys. And I don't know what that means. Like, in the sense of, are they trying to play mind games? Like, we actually do know, but we're not going to tell you we know. Are they really running two uh, quarterbacks because they both have unique skill sets? which is, I think, what we're going to see. I think that's what you can fully expect to see. Jordan Travis is their returning leading rusher. He led their team in rushing yards, 559 last year. Their starting running back only had 400 rushing yards, like 401 to be exact. So Travis coming back, you've you got to believe he's going to be the running threat. They're getting, They don't want to lose that ability. Now, Having said that, Mackenzie Milton in his career has rushed for 920 yards and 17 touchdowns. So Mackenzie Milton can move. But again, all of that was pre his knee and leg just being absolutely destroyed. So where's his health at? That's another question mark. Is Mackenzie Milton fully healthy? It's unclear at this point. We don't know. Is that why they're saying two quarterbacks? Because we don't know the health of Milton. And they don't want to completely throw him out there. Or is it what I believe is they both have unique skill sets that they want to take advantage of? Milton can throw the ball. At UCF, he threw for, in his career, 6,700 yards, 62 touchdowns, and a 63.7 completion percentage. That's not bad. That's not bad at all. I mean, we would take that, right? 6,700 yards, 62 touchdowns, almost 64% completion. And only 15 interceptions. Uh, 15 is kind of a lot. But I know UCF took chances and, and things like that. I'd like to see that from Notre Dame. I would love to see that from Notre Dame. Where, you know, sometimes interceptions may happen. and But they should be happening because you're trying to take shots and make those big plays and be explosive. You know, I, I don't expect a lot of interceptions. But at the same time... You know, people always uh, propped up Ian Book. He never threw a pick. Well, he never. Obviously, never tried. Obviously, you're not trying to throw a pick, but he never. He never took any chances that may result in a pick. And sometimes you have to take those chances. Is what it is. So I think that's going to be the biggest thing to watch. Um, see how Notre Dame responds to multiple quarterbacks. You know, and when are they coming out? When are they gonna? Get a whole series? Is it situational? You know, what are we going to do? Is it Marcus Fur- Freeman's first test as our defensive coordinator? Because I think we got all the, the guys to stop Florida State, you know, but uh, it could be something fluky. It could be something fluky. You got Jordan Travis in there and, and you're expecting run. They're showing run. They've been showing run and then they. Hit you with something silly uh, on the backside or on the over the top somehow, some way, right? But he wasn't exactly an impressive passer. He only threw for a thousand yards and six touchdowns, six picks on fifty five percent completion last year. That's not impressive. So, is he really a threat to throw the ball? I don't know. It's all relative. Navy <clears throat> occasionally hits us with a a play over the top because you're not expecting it. So. It's just really going to be interesting to see what we do with this uh, two-quarterback deal. And uh, the only real name to, to watch is probably going to be Mackenzie Milton and then maybe this Parchment guy. But uh, I just don't see anything that jumps off the page at me from Florida State that tells me they can beat Notre Dame. I think they can get better. Uh, but again, you got to remember, they're replacing – their best receiver. They're replacing um, quite possibly the best rookie cornerback in now in the NFL is Sante Samuel Jr. Um, oh, I'm drawing a blank. a big defensive tackle Marvin uh, somebody. I, they're they're replacing some guys that had talent. Now they do have talent on the roster. Again, it's Florida State. They they get some guys. They get dudes. But the team hasn't been good. They haven't recruited, like Florida State is probably used to recruiting, especially when Jimbo Fisher was there. I I just can't do the the math to see how this Florida State team could beat Notre Dame. Can Florida State win some games with the guys they have? Absolutely. And I mentioned that in the last episode. I believe that they can win games and will win games. Week one against Notre Dame, probably not the time that that's going to happen. I just don't see it. Um, Does it mean it's impossible? No, because talent can show up at weird times and weird situations, and uh, Notre Dame still has to execute. That's the thing. This isn't Toledo or Purdue or these also-rans where you can get away with a, a mistake or two. I don't think Notre Dame's in that kind of position against a team like Florida State. What we have to do is figure out how to manage their rotating quarterbacks. However, they're going to run trot that out on the field, shut that down. Their running game was not that strong last year. It sounds weird. They averaged five yards a carry, but I guess statistically I wasn't impressed in, in totality. Okay? They got to replace their best receiver, uh, and you know we have a great defense of Marcus Freeman. And then for their defense, I think we can fully take advantage of what they had to replace. You know, I fully believe Cone can use his arm to find guys like Austin and Davis and Lindsey and Keys and Wilkins and Styles and Mayer, all that to to put points on the board. You know Tyree and Kyron out of the backfield um I think we could beat him up through the air, and that's what we need to try. you know, so let's look at Notre Dame's depth chart and what we should look for and expect and what I wanna see uh at first, I do have to mention Maris Leophal, oh man that that sucks you know it, uh, he's done for the year. You know, apparently he was uh, dislocated and broken ankle. Um, you just hope that he comes back because he made great strides. He was going to be our starting linebacker. He's going to be a starting will. So we got to replace him with um, J.D. Bertrand and Shane Simon. Simon has obviously gotten plenty of time. Bertrand, uh, not as much yet. But right now it looks like Bertrand's going to get the start there. But I just wanted to... Get that out there real quick. You know, thoughts and prayers to Leah foul that he gets, you know, uh, good recovery, strong recovery, and comes back healthy, you know, ready to take on that role that he won and earned. You know, he deserves it. You know, but I do want to start with the offense because I, our defense, I'm, I know I talk about our secondary, but once I start going through the defense, it's like, I, I don't see where a team like Florida State has an advantage. Uh, I mentioned it might be the secondary. It might be the secondary. But that's just because uh, I'm looking at Mackenzie Milton. He should be good if he's fully healthy. And they do have a decent transfer coming into this Parchment character. So, you know, we'll see. But offensively for Notre Dame is where I want to start. And Jack Cohn won the job. And rightfully so. I saw some things in the spring game that I liked, and I'm hoping we can build upon that. You know, something we need to see. We God, we need to see it. Like, please let us see it. We keep hearing that it's going to be different, it's going to be innovative, you know, explosive. Like, we're hearing all these great, fun words about what Notre, Dame, Notre Dame's offense is going to be. That's fantastic. I've heard a lot of words in my life. Let's see action. Let's see actually do it. Because if we're not taking shots down the field to guys like Lindsey, Mayer even down the field, God bless us if he runs six freaking drags, three yards down the field, he's got to break seven tackles just to get a damn first down. He did it. He can do it. He will do it, but that's that's ridiculous. That's just... I know you want to get the ball in your best player's hands, but let's be a little more creative than a three-yard drag. What do you say, huh? Right? But uh, so Cohn gets a start. I'm I'm looking forward to to seeing him play. I've the highlights I've seen. He he does have a big arm. He can't throw it, so we're we're gonna get a little bit of that. He's not. Don't expect spin moves and whatever, and all the stuff booked in. It ain't going to be there. He'll move if he has to. Cone will. But he's he's looking to throw the ball, and that's great because we're going to get a lot more yards with a finding the guy 20-25 yards downfield versus an 8-yard scramble that sets up a second and two. I'll take the 20-25-yard 20, shot down the field every single day of the week. But the surprise at the quarterback position was Pine is the backup, and I say that was a surprise because I felt like Buckner. And again, I'm basing this off the spring game. I don't you see bits and pieces of practice, just like I do, you know. And you see more of Cone because he's the starter, so you don't get to see a ton of clips of uh, Pine or Buckner. But I was interested that uh, Pine was the number two. You know, uh, I'd like to see Buckner work his way up to that number two spot. Nothing against Drew Pine. I just think Buckner's our future, and if there's opportunities to get him snaps, that's that's ideal, you know. And running back position will be interesting to see what we have on Sunday. You know, you're going to have Kyron Williams. You know, you're going to have Chris Tyree. You know, you're going to have Cebo Flemister, and you know what they all provide. Williams is the beast. He's a three-down back. He can do it. He can run, he can block, he can catch. He, he's he got all the makings of an NFL running back. He He's a do-it-all. Chris Tyree is a little bit quicker, you know, more shifty, kind of a scat back. You know, uh, reminds me of like a Darren Sproles. He's a little bit smaller. But line him up anywhere and just get on the ball because he's explosive with the ball in his hands. And Sebo Flemister is just a downhill, angry runner a uh, great short yardage, just a great guy to have on the roster. But I let it all saying I'm interested to see what's going to happen, only because, you know, sometimes three running backs, especially in today's football, just you want freshness. Uh, you may want to take another running back, but who are you going to take? I had heard Estime was doing nice things in practice. So that was my first thought. You're probably going to take SMA on. Maybe they take both Estime and Diggs, because that's the other guy I'm going to talk about. Um, I thought it was all estimate but I guess Diggs has come on strong you know leading it uh, up to the start of the season just in the in the fall camp he's looking good so you know we'll see it'll be anxious to or I'll be anxious to see how they handle these freshman running backs cuz they seem to have a lot of potential which is fantastic uh, again you could never have too much talent you just can't and you don't know what, you never know. You never know what's going to happen, what you need. You know, so, Williams, Tyree, Flemister, of course. And then we'll see if we get some Digs and estimate action. Uh, you know, I'll tell you what, honestly, if Diggs and Estime are playing, if they travel and they play on Sunday, that is a great sign for Notre Dame. Let's just say that. You know, the, the then we'll jump into the receivers. I've been saying it for a while. Yes, I know. There is not a tone of returning production from the receiver position. I get it. But there is a pretty solid amount of talent at the receiver position. I, we've seen it in glimpses and little pieces because health has been a concern. But the fact of the matter is you get a healthy Kevin Austin, you get a healthy Braden Lindsey and already proven... Uh, Avery Davis who shout out to Avery Davis uh, was nominated one of the captains and no better guy deserving honestly I know some of their obvious, obvious captains like Patterson and MTA and Drew White and things like that I get it I get it but to take a guy who came in as a quarterback then they moved him to defensive back then they moved him to running back then they moved him to receiver and he took it all in stride and didn't jump, didn't flinch, didn't transfer, and boom, now he's a, a key piece of our offense and starting receiver. But receiver position is a heavily rotated spot. And the next three up after Austin Davis Lindsay are Keyes Wilkins and Styles. Love seeing Styles on the two deep. Love it. True freshman. That's what we need. I'm I'm so tired. So tired of these great Notre Dame receivers that existed for one year in terms of production at Notre Dame. Miles Boykin, Chase Claypool. I guess Will Fuller got more than one year. But in recent history, it's dudes that Equinemia St. Brown. It's another one. Like one year. Like what there's no way. There's no way they went from not being able to really see the field to the number one starter in an offseason. I just, I, you can't convince me that that was the case. You can't tell me all those dudes like Chase Claypool, I'm going to use him because he's He's already balling out in the NFL. They're, they're, the Steelers are finding a way to get that man in the football, and I love to see it. You know, I'm a Notre Dame fan first. So when I see, you know, Irish in the NFL, Succeeding, I don't care what team it's for. I I love to see it. But you can't tell me a guy like Chase Claypool all of a sudden just, oh, I figured it out. Now I'm awesome. No. Like, we should have gotten so much more usage and production out of that guy. So the fact that Styles on the 2D is an awesome sign. Maybe he's going to actually get some playing time before he's a, a junior or a senior and now he's ready for the NFL and we didn't even get to utilize his talent. So, <clears throat> we'll see. And we still got guys that aren't on there. Like, I think Deion Colsey um, should see some action this year. You know, that'll be exciting. But, Austin, Davis, Lindsey, they all have unique skills that can make this offense explosive. When you do attack that new secondary, of Florida State, the offense, or the defense, excuse me, of Florida State, they gave out 36 points a game last year. We need to take advantage of that, you know? And we got Austin Davis and Lindsey, right? If Austin is as good as he's shown to be and he's healthy, he's going to require some attention. <clears throat> and Lindsey, he's a track star. You better be watching him. Well, if you're watching Austin and Lindsey and Davis is running his efficient routes and finding the soft spots, you know who's left and probably going to be one-on-one with somebody is baby Gronk, Mr. Michael Mayer. Now, if you're getting Austin and Davis and Lindsay attention, you can't double-team Mayer. But if you double-team Mayer, you're leaving Austin, Davis, or Lindsey. It's just we have the guys to make this offense so awesome. We need to see it. Tommy Reese, please, let's see it. Please, 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 please. You keep talking about it. Like, I can just think of all these things that I can do right now off the top of my head with these guys in the passing game. Forget where you have Kyron Williams in the backfield. Just think of the passing game. And if you get Williams going, the play-action pass, oh, think of, think of how beautiful a play-action pass to Williams would be and Lindsay's just flying over the top or... You know, you got Austin running like a 15 yard cross because they're looking for Lindsay over the top. And there's Austin wide open, you know, 15, 20 yards downfield. Or you, you get them, Austin and Lindsey cutting across. And there goes Michael Mayer on, you know, kind of a wheel route off the tight end position because, again, God forbid we throw hit the ball at five yards and make him break tackles to even get a first down. Put that man down the field. You know, it, we we can expose this defense. And <clears throat> I'm saying that obviously not knowing I'm basing it off of last year and they do have some new people and so on and so forth. I get that. You know, future game previews will be more fun because you'll have something to go off of. You can kind of reference, oh, how they played against this person or this team, how they played against that team, What statistically, what do they look like, all those kinds of things. So this is all just based on what we've got so far <clears throat> From what we know, right? But I just, I look at these names and I know what they're capable of. And it's just like, how do we not make the most of this? Like, come on, please, please. You know, and then you look at the offense. Uh, of offensive line. Fisher, Carell, Patterson, Madden, Lug. I, I mentioned earlier. The middle is our strength. For obvious reasons. Carell, Patterson, Madden. The tackles aren't strong that we've seen, but I don't think they're weak by any stretch. You know, uh, Lugg and Fisher can do this job. I know they can. So, as as long as we're working together on that offensive line, work as a unit, we are going to be fine. Code's going to be sitting back there and be able to make his reads, stay, keep his eyes downfield, and make some throws. And it's going to be fun to watch. I just, I know it. I feel it. Uh, God help me if I'm wrong. Because I, I, I can't, I can't, like I can't deal with, <clears throat> the oh, we didn't throw any picks today. Yeah, because it's near impossible to throw a pick when you don't throw the ball further than 10 yards down the field. We got, we got to see something different. You know, and, but quite honestly, if, I want to see the chances. If we're not connecting on those chances in Game 1, that stinks. But I don't think that's the game where we have to connect. Because our defense is going to be so good. It's against the, these types of teams. Like I said, there will be a few teams that are going to present challenges. But our front seven, even with the unfortunateness of Leifau going down, our front seven is still incredible. Because I look at it and like the two deep could be the starters. Like if you flipped everything, you put the backups as the starters. I don't know how much of a drop off there is, and that's crazy to say. Notre Dame is such a good spot, and I heard on another podcast it was uh, uh, the um, it doesn't matter. But the the question was, when was the last time Notre Dame was in this good of a position as a program? in terms of depth and talent and everything and my first thought I thought I was just being you know kind of ha- half glass empty kind of guy wait half gla- glass half empty came and talk <laughs> uh, glass half empty guy I was like man what the freaking 90s like was it that bad and the answer is yes yes it was that bad <laughs> like it was the freaking 90s guys 30 years ago was the last time Notre Dame was in this type of position. So you look at the defense. So just the defensive ends. The starters are Foskey and MTA. Those are great guys, right? But behind them are Justin, Emmy and DeLola, and Batello behind Foskey. Uh, Emi and DeLola could start if he wanted to. <laughs> I mean, if he needed to. Uh, Botello... We know what he's capable of. And behind MTA is Osafa Menza who has made great strides from what I've heard. And I think he's going to be something special as the as time goes. And then behind him is Um uh, Not as much uh, playing time for him so far. You know, and of those six guys I mentioned, Ehrensberger is probably the one who, who will probably see the least in the rotation. But it's just exciting that it's not just Foskey, MTA, and then a complete drop-off and, oh, great, they're going to be so dead by the end of this game because they got to stay out there because there's nobody else that can do it. da 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 da, da. No, not at all. They, our backups can do this. It's going to be awesome. And then you look at the defensive tackle. you got Justin's brother, Jason Amadeola, and Kurt Heinisch. Uh, they're beasts but we got three dudes behind them that are beasts that are gonna see playing time Riley Mills Howard Cross Jacob Lacey all those dudes can play have played and will play and will play at a high level Mills has come a long way I keep hearing and reading things about Mills you know so you got five defensive tackles like that's that's crazy and they're all legitimate players yeah Emma and Heinrich are the starters. Rightfully so. But Mills Cross and Lacey are no punks. Like, they can do this. And we are going to create a lot of problems for offensive lines. We're going to create problems in the backfield. We're going to be disruptive. I, I know it, I see it, and it's going to be fun to watch. You know, that that's that's their front four. Now, look at the Rest of the front seven, you go to our linebackers. Again, Leafel going down. We gotta see how the Bertrand and Simon kinda of come in and fill that void. That but you know, I'm saying that, but LeafL to to be fair, he was the third guy in line last year under Clark Lee. Freeman comes in and now he's the starter. Um I maybe it's Freeman's style. Uh, suited Leofield better um, or it, Freeman sees something in Leofield but from from what I've heard from reporters that can go to practices and things you, you can read uh, Leofield made legitimate strides it wasn't so much about uh, scheme or, or fit or design it was he busted his ass to get better and he did he earned the starting role but with that said That means our backup, Shane Simon, who has started several games, is more than capable of coming in and playing. But uh, they're going to give J.D. Bertrand the start here on Sunday night. And then in the middle, you got Drew White or Bo Bauer. And I say or. It's not really in the, the depth chart that way. But, I mean, they both have played significant time, have made impactful plays, and are really good at... Football. So, you know, Drew White and Bo Bauer. White's the starter. Bauer's the backup. But again, there's so much experience. Both are going to get on the field and both are going to do some damage. It's that simple. You know, then you look at the rover position, which is kind of interesting. I thought for sure it was going to be Jack Kaiser the whole time. And it technically is. But in the depth chart, it says Jack Kaiser or... Isaiah Pryor or Paul Mualu. So I don't know how that is gonna look on Sunday. Are uh, are they gonna be heavierly is that even heavierly heavierly? Are they gonna be rotated more? There you go. They can be rotated more than the, the other uh, you know, defensive positions because they're all kind of projected they could they could Kaiser could start or Pryor or Moala. So, how's that going to look? I don't know. But that tells me that we got three dudes who are capable of being a starter, and we seen Jack Kaiser and we know how good he can play. So, if Pryor and Moala are pushing that envelope, that's a great sign. And your front seven is so set. You know, and I just think that's going to be an advantage in most games this year. The front four specifically, I think the front four is going to be better than every offensive line we face. That's going to be our obvious strength in every game we play. So while that's going to be our strength, I do have to talk about what I perceive to be a potential weakness in our secondary. You know, there is one spot that, it's it's funny. I was writing down the depth chart, and I put everybody, you know, not everybody, but The starter and their backup and other names that I felt were potentially significant, you know, uh, on my list. Except for one position. Only one position that has one name and there's no other names needed. It's free safety. Kyle Hamilton. It's Kyle Hamilton, Kyle Hamilton, Kyle Hamilton. It's all you need. There's there's no reason to even talk about his backup, which I think is DJ Brown. That's, like, I didn't even write it down. That's how insignificant, nothing against DJ Brown, but... It's Kyle Hamilton. I just it is what it is so <clears throat> we're good there. but at the cornerback position, we've got Cam Hart, which I do have to kind of I said earlier made fun of Florida State because their number one receiver is a former cornerback. Well, our starting cornerback was recruited to be a wide receiver. He played his first year as a wide receiver. So, (laughs) if I'm going to rag on Florida State, I guess i can rag on Notre Dame just a smidge. But, uh, apparently Cam Hart's come a long way. And, you know, we get to see it on Sunday. We get to see what he's done. And on the other side is going to be Clarence Lewis. And Clarence Lewis has got a big test this year. Just from a, like, prove-it-to-me standpoint... I don't know a different way to really phrase it, but the fact of the matter is, he started as a true freshman, and I did feel and I I saw and heard a lot of. You know, Clarence Lewis did really great for a true freshman, you know, for a true freshman, that was pretty impressive. For like, they they kept kind of pointing out that he's a true freshman, and that was that was great. What he was doing was great for a true freshman. Well. Can, can it be great for a quarter just being a cornerback? Like I I need him to be great as a cornerback, not great because he's a a true sophomore. You know he doesn't need to be good for a sophomore. He needs to be good as a D one top five program cornerback. You know so we'll see. Um, and no we're you know we're gonna see some treat Bracy. That's just a given. And the last guy from the cornerback position we're probably going to see a little bit of is Ramon Henderson in certain packages. I think he's going to be on the field. You know, but they have a lot to prove. Um, Cam Hart is new. I say new to the position. He's obviously a position change, but that was a couple years ago. But he's new to starting at quarterback. Clarence Lewis, build on what you did as a true freshman, and then. You know, for Bracey and Henderson, when you come in in certain packages or have to come in, you know, be ready. Be ready. Because if you remember the 2018 Cotton Bowl, uh, yeah, we lost 30-3. to I get that. But the turning point in the game was when Julian Love went out, and I think it was Tariq Bracey. I'm I'm like 90% sure. 99% sure, actually. Like, it was Tariq Brace that came in and got burned. No, I'm wrong. See, I knew it. And I think it was Dante Vaughn. But nonetheless, backup quarterback was not even close to prepared to face Trevor Lawrence and Justin Ross and T. Higgins and all those dudes. They were just, we weren't ready. And you saw it. The game changed in a half a quarter. <clears throat> that was it. So, and Florida State probably isn't the, the team that's going to test us on that. But you still got to be... Just be ready. Please. Don't make Kyle Hamilton do everything. You know, if Hamilton needs to go ham, let him do it in the place he's supposed to be. Not covered for other people's asses. And then a strong safety you got Houston Griffith and credit to him. The guy was going to transfer. He wanted to transfer. Wasn't getting the playing time. Uh, or, you know, whatever the story was because he, he was getting some playing time. But he was a projected starter, but he wanted a transfer, and he weren't sure. And he did win the job. He's going to come out and be our starting strong safety. KJ Wallace is right behind him. But let's see what uh, Griffith can do. But our defense, again, I really, I believe to not make it so simple, but starts and ends with our front four and really front seven. Uh, I don't think our secondary is going to win us games Uh, you know but they could be a reason we lose games and again I'm speaking about the season as a whole I'm not when I make that statement I'm not talking about Florida State specifically because I don't I don't think Florida State or Toledo or uh, Purdue are an issue it's when we get to the better teams Wisconsin Cincinnati USC North Carolina which Whatever. But it's just those types of teams that could present a challenge. So I, I think our front seven is is where our defense is going to be hanging their hat on. And if you get pressure on the quarterback, that makes it easier for the secondary. So, you know, we'll we'll see what happens. And lastly, I mean, special teams are special teams, right? It's whatever. But Really? Really? Is Matt Salerno still our punt returner? Fair catch central? Come on. Like, please. Like, I wish I still had eligibility left. I mean, shit, put me back there. If the only requirement is to catch the ball and do nothing, I'm capable of doing that. I mean, at 37, I'm not capable of doing much more. When I was, you know, 18, 19, 20 years old, I was a punt returner. When I played D3, I returned punts. And I was quick. I was I was like a little Joey Getherall. You know, I wasn't quite the rocket because, well, that's a little bit ridiculous. You know, he's the man. He's the guy. He's my favorite player for Notre Dame in the history of Notre Dame football. And now we got fucking fair catch central back there. Remember Tim Brown? Remember Tommy Zabikowski? Remember Golden Tate? Like I just I don't get it. Like, what is the deal? Why are we sending some slow at, no offense to Matt Salerno? He he does his job and he does it well. You know it's not gonna be a mistake. But he's not gonna be catching the ball at the freaking six-inch yard line running into the end zone and flipping it back behind his head. That ain't happening. <laughs> like He's not going to do that. So I can I know that. Cool. But God damn it. Can we get somebody who's trying to actually do something with the football, actually move the ball down the field once he catches it, trying to make an explosive play? I mean, I know you guys remember the, if you're old enough, the Zbikowski punt return for, against USC. How electric that was. He did it against Tennessee too. That was huge and it was electric. I mean, please just show us something in that part of the freaking team. Just one time. One time. Put the put Tyree. Put Styles. Uh Keys even. I know he's the backup. Make him the freaking starter. Why is he the backup? Because he's the starting receiver or, or he's gonna get playtime and receiver. I don't care. He can do some damage on punt return. Do it. Let's see it. Come on. So that's something I'd like to see. But um that's kind of it, guys. It's Sunday night. We got to be ready. We got to come out fire under our asses and and come out and be explosive offensively and be aggressive defensively. Make make plays, get sacks you know let let's let's shut up the crowd at dope Campbell. let's not let them get into it uh you know i again, I don't care how loud they are. I don't care you know wh- whatever they do the players on the field decide this game. that's it. so I expect a Notre Dame win, obviously, but if I were to predict a score. I think it's going to be something like 34 um, 17. I feel like Notre Dame's going to get to 30. I don't know if Florida State will get to 17. I, I feel like they will just because it's game one. Uh, and I could just see a couple mistakes happening. Or maybe even Notre Dame's up like 34 10 and we, we pull the starters. And then the second team gives up a, a touchdown with like three minutes to go in the game. That means nothing. You know, but I, I like Notre Dame to, to win by a decent margin and look good doing it. I envision that. I just don't think Florida State's there yet to hang with us. Not not this team. Not what we've established. Not, not this program right now. Just ain't going to happen. So let's see. Uh, let's see. We'll come back on. Oh, I don't want to give a day because I don't know. How my schedule is gonna work. But I know it won't be Monday. I got a fantasy football draft. But we'll we'll come back and and we'll we'll discuss you know what we saw Sunday night. So um, that's pretty much it, guys. Though oh, I do want to, one last thing. It says sort of football related. But I keep hearing about all these fall weddings. Everybody's getting married in the fall and yeah, Notre Dame fans. Uh, I hear about w- having to walk down the aisle and uh, hoping there's an iPad at the altar, or you know, where the, wherever it's occurring, if you're at, in church at an altar, or you know, wherever you're meeting your bride, or she's walking down the aisle, um, hoping there's an iPad set up with the game on. And how about just don't get married on a Notre Dame Saturday. I don't, I don't know. And I, I'm not trying to, you know, diminish the significance of a wedding and it, the meaning of it. That's, I'm not trying to do that at all. Okay. Now, if you have friends that get married in the fall and you have to be a part of the wedding, that that sucks. But I'll ask them, like, what are you doing? I know you're not prioritizing Notre Dame football. and uh, Maybe you are. If if we're friends and you're a Notre Dame fan, I don't know. But I have friends that aren't Notre Dame fans, you know? And and they're going to get married on a fall Saturday. I just, I got questions. Like, why, why are you going to take away football from me, bro? It's, come on. Like, you couldn't you wait just a little bit? Well, if you don't get married now, she won't marry you in, say, I don't know, December? Because that's what I'm doing. <laughs> uh, my, my future wife gets it. She knew the deal. Like, we're gonna get married. We're in South Texas. I'm not getting married in the summer. You're crazy. We didn't go we didn't want to get married at the beginning of the year. I don't know why. I just never really spoke to us. And we got together in December, so we figured let's just do a December wedding. And December wedding is perfect. Notre Dame is done playing football. But I did I did a fun thing. Uh we're getting married December 4th, 2021. And uh some people Beef, Marty, others that have their favorite team happens to be attached to a conference, you might call December 4th conference championship Saturday. I call it my wedding day. And that's kind of maybe my little way of saying, you know what, independence, man, independence is the best because December 4th is just another Saturday for me. Notre Dame's done playing. I have nothing to watch. I'm going to go get married. And it's going to be fun. But, you know, if if Marty or Beef can make it down to the wedding, I'll, I'll put a TV on for you. No worries. Assuming Clemson's in the ACC championship. You know, we'll take care of you. But I, I had to point that out because I just heard so much conversation uh, about having to go to a fall wedding, being being the groom in a fall wedding on a Notre Dame Saturday. and I couldn't imagine. My dad got married October 17, 1981. And when I was old enough to realize this, like, October like how did you pull that off, Dad? He said, it was simple. It was Notre Dame's bye week. (laughs) So there is that. That's your other option. You can find the Notre Dame bye week. And I did go back and look. Notre Dame was in fact off on October seventeenth, nineteen eighty-one, and that was when uh, they had bands, not DJs, at weddings, and the band was required to learn the Notre Dame fight song. So that w- that was fun. I'll just have my DJ, you know, plug that in, and especially if it, on December fourth, if we just went twelve and zero, you better believe that Notre Dame fight song is getting mixed into the the wedding reception mix. But. Fall weddings, guys, they're they're popular, but let's be considerate. What do you say? All right, guys, that's all I got. Thank you again for all the it's great to be Irish love again, or criticism. It's all good. Kicked off tonight's episode or today's episode with my son, Go Irish. You know we are all in. I'm so ready for the season. I cannot wait. Oh, I got a desk too. I'm actually recording from an actual desk. How exciting! But I'm I'm ready to sit on my in my new house, my new chair, my new TV, and yell at my TV because in in a good way, of course, because we're we're gonna win. It's gonna be fun to watch. So. Please keep up with me on Twitter at Five fivefootnothingpod. Shoot me an email, fivefootnothingpod at gmail I'd love to get into you know any conversation, any questions, because sometimes Twitter there's just not enough characters. So let's go Irish. Beat Knowles. Sunday night, prime time, just all night. All night, go Irish beat Seminoles. Let's just, let's do it. Let's kick the year off right. All right, until next week, guys. Five for nothing, 100 nothing. Out.